Anyway, how's your week been before we start? It's been okay. It's yeah. been a, a challenging couple of weeks. For yeah. Sure. You got well. You got the business to run as well, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's been nonstop rain here. Oh. And my business is construction. Yeah. So that's been been basically indoors in the rain. Yeah. With coronavirus madness and the markets crashing, so it's been. What a it's week. been a challenge. What a week. Right. <laughs> it's been a challenge, challenging week, but feeling a little better today. I mean, overall, I feel well, feel optimistic. Yeah, yeah, I think, I, yeah, I think so. Like, you know, we, we humans are wonderful. We, we, we persevere, we overcome, we survive, right? So um, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Uh, I just think there's a little mania. I mean, I've not seen anything in my lifetime like this. Obviously, no. my parents' no. generation are telling us stories about the Second World War. Um, in terms of the, you know, the camaraderie, the, you know, helping thy neighbor and all of that kind of good stuff, all that good human stuff, right? Um, yeah. So it's positive. But the, the, the empty uh, shelves at the supermarket, it's, it's, it's nuts. It seems to be nuts, yeah. but it's herd mentality, herd mentality. Okay, should we, should, we, should we kick this thing off? Should we kick this thing off that we're, we're going to do? Um, Let's do it. Okay, so uh, today I am speaking with Justin Hewn. He is the Uranium Insider. We've spoken a few times before, but you guessed it, the world of uranium. Uh, and today's going to be the same, plus I suspect the coronavirus is going to creep into the conversation somehow. Justin, how are you, buddy? I'm well, Matthew. How are you? Not bad, not bad. So, tough week for everyone. Very tough. Yeah, Right. indeed. Right. How, yeah. how are you feeling? It's just money, right? I'm overall, I'm feeling well. Uh, it's just money. It's just paper losses at this point. Exactly. Um, exactly. But it hasn't been easy. It hasn't been easy. It's hard. You know, our, our little sector was already so beat up. And uh, I think uh, a lot of lessons learned, you know, liquidity. When there's a liquidity crisis, there's nothing that's safe. Everything gets hit. For, for sure. And you know, looking at some of the share prices, I mean, the beginning of the month, second, third, um, prices just dropped off the the cliff again for uranium companies. Yeah. So like I say, I was just I just had a quick scan of you know the the, the main players uh, earlier today, um, just at a time when they they didn't need it. Now, do you are you yeah. putting that down to coronavirus or the fact that there was this delay even before that from the news from the you know nuclear fuel working group? Oh, I think it's just an it's an overall stagnation in. <sighs> The uranium market, and then that was just taken down by the coronavirus. Yeah, uh, market overall broad market crash. So, um, you know, there was nothing. You know, there's been kind of a theory by a number of people, and myself included, that a rising spot price would potentially make uranium equities somewhat of a safe haven, regardless of the broad markets. And I, I still believe that would be true, but we don't have that at the moment. I mean, it's essentially stagnant. Um, it's dropped a little bit, but that's just, I believe that's just Japanese traders selling a little bit. Their fiscal year ends at the end of this month. You know, it's probably Cameco scooping up, you know, a little few pounds here and there. So the spot market's been, you know, bouncing around a little bit, slightly down, but it hasn't been, there has been no reason, uh, potentially until, you know, today and yesterday, really, and we can talk about that in a minute, but there's been no real great reason to rush into uranium at the moment. Everything's just kind of on pause and this whole coronavirus situation has put even more things on pause. Yeah. So 
I mean, do you think that, I mean, I, I, it's three years in the making, right? It's th three years to get to a point where even more disappointment suddenly comes along. And I think the coronavirus is un unfortunate, but um, for a lot of people in a lot of ways, but for the uranium equities investors, it's just more bad news on top of bad news. Do you think, question is, do you think that the US government is genuine and sincere with regards to its protestations that it is going to look after the nuclear fuel industry in the US? Or do you think that's just politics? Um, I do believe it's sincere. I just think that it's, it's taken a, a far back burner at the moment. There's way too much going on. There's the presidential election year. We've got dealing with this coronavirus crisis, the market crashing. Um, there's just so many, it's, it's not even on the minds of people anymore at this point including uranium investors. I mean, I think at this point, we're just like, we need something more than that because we're just, this nuclear fruit working group has been such a disappointment um, because it's taken so long. But I do believe the intentions are there. I believe it's sincere. I believe that we will hear more positive news. At this point, I don't know when. Um, I don't think it's going to happen tomorrow. Um, it could happen soon. I don't know. It's just I'm not betting on it. There's not too many people betting on much uh, the, the, this week uh, for, for other reasons. But you know, it's, it's a funny one, actually, because we've been looking at the Uranium space for the last year, learning a hell of a lot from some very smart guys and gals. Um, some very smart guys and gals who've got it wrong. But nevertheless, you know, it's been an education. You know, we had a conversation last week with your energy uh, CEO, um, good straight talking guy. His view this year is is not going to see uranium do too much. There's there's too many things that are going to get in the way, and that was before coronavirus was really kind of you right. know getting the kind of coverage. It it um, it, it certainly has been the, the last few days, yeah. last week or so. Yeah. Again, you concur with that, I guess, from the from the tone of your voice and uh, your demeanor. Well, yeah, it's interesting. It's it's this whole situation has been a. a, a incredible learning process and just recognizing even my own personal sentiment around things and what that might indicate. Um, you know, like the contrarians are always like, just wait till there's blood in the streets, wait till there's blood in the streets and people can complaining about share prices forever. And that's a contrarian signal. That's a good thing. You know, I actually have, uh, I have a couple of people messaging me space basically saying there's not enough pain yet there's not enough pain yet and he's like i'm i'm ready to add there's not enough pain yet so i'll just every time i see somebody just pulling their hair out i'll take a screenshot i'll send it to them they'll be like all right i added today they bought this week so <laughs> that's been interesting um as far as what will happen for uranium this year i still think there's potential and the reason that i say that is um we're, we're hearing news stories come out about Kazatomprom, um, well, Kazakhstan struggling with the coronavirus at the moment, and Kazatomprom mm. uh, actually putting out a press release saying that there's potential that their supply will be interrupted. <clears throat> we saw, uh, not surprisingly, zero reaction in the spot market to that. So fuel buyers are, maybe they're also just on pause because of the whole situation, I don't know. But that potential is big. And then we're also hearing this kind of that there's additional potential for supply interruptions, potentially even from Cigar Lake, which would be terrible. But 
for the uranium price, it would be, I think it would be one of those situations that could skyrocket the price in a short period of time, just like the floods did before the last bull market. Yeah, I mean, th- there's, there's some interesting points you make there. I mean, if, first of all, come back to the, the, the first point you make about blood on the streets. I tell you what, it's really easy reading books, listening to people use flippant phrases like, I'm a contrarian, and yeah. wait till there's blood on the street. But I tell you what, not until you're in that situation and you feel the fear do you know what blood on the street or buying at the bottom actually means like means and feels like um and i'm getting i'm getting a sense of that like you know i've, I've been around for like a, a couple of cycles but this this feels more significant than others before and i know there's a lot of stimulus packages being created and talked about around the world and you know Trump today talking about he needs 850 billion and you know so these are these are big numbers right heading towards a tr- you know trillion dollars stimulus yeah. for something which it's it's not a fungible it's it's not it's not a it's not a something that can almost be controlled this is a fear beyond beyond money this is a, this is you know people's health i think is is yes yeah. is is yeah. is what people are concerned about and i'm not i'm not yeah. i'm trying to work out whether you can buy your way out of that or right. you've got to solve a problem which is not money oriented to get people yeah. over that hump right so so i think that, that was the that's my first point when you're talking about you know contrarians you know easily said not necessarily easily done. Um, truly, yes. truly done yes, in sir. terms of blood on the street uh, analogy you use. <laughs> Kaz Adamprom, that's that's also fascinating. I mean, you know, days yeah. ago people were talking about well, the the Kazakhs are. Well, I've heard all sorts of conspiracy theories about it. You know, um, have done for a long time, but you know. The, this is a robust mining jurisdiction, and there, you know, you'd expect them to be kind of like, you know, getting on with it. It's, you know, young, healthy men down mines, mining, and so forth. But no, they, like everyone else, has been affected by this. Yeah. And what do you, yeah. what do you think that? You, so you, you give us some clues about what you think the impact of that's going to be, along with Cigar Lake, you know, perhaps, you know, being restricted as well. But. You think that that's going to drive the share, that's enough to drive the share price up, or do you think that these utility buyers know something that we don't? You, you think it will? Okay. No, I don't necessarily know anything that you don't. Um, no, I meant the utility I, buyers. Do you think they know? This is, not, this is why you said you, you suggested that they're just keeping quiet. Yeah, but I don't think they know anything that we don't. Right. Um, I think if what you're implying by that would be that they know that there's plenty of supply out there and they don't care if either because Adam Prom or Cigar Lake. The only, basically, the main two producing uranium mines, uranium production in the world right now. Um, if those two both get impacted, there will be price increases, and it will probably be violent. Yeah. And that coupled with, I do believe, and I hate calling tops and bottoms, but I do think that we're at or near a bottom for uranium right now. It was already so beat down, and you add this market crash. And the other thing is, you know. The market itself is is always forward-looking, and I think that a lot of the selling that's happened over the past few weeks, it's been the fastest sell-off from an all-time high in history, stock market history. Uh, that's unbelievable. And I don't know if you've seen any of these charts that are the yeah. chart of the last few years, the run-up um, overlaid onto the 1929 crash. It's like... Uh, no, I haven't seen that. It's spot on. It's really kind of eerie. Um, but I think that what we really need for the overall market to turn um, 
is positive news. So that's this coronavirus situation leveling off. We need that curve to, to level off. We mm -hmm. need some positive news around effective medication. I'm already seeing that around, though it's not coming from the White House or from governments necessarily. There's a lot of uh, positive developments and some countries have been hit worse than others. And so I think that we just need this overall sense of fear and panic to kind of pass. And that I think mm -hmm. that happens when the curve, you know, lessens. Agreed. And we have positive news. When does that happen? I don't know. I think things are going to get worse in the States before they get better. Um, but that could happen in a month. That could happen in two weeks when they say positive news so far about the vaccine trials and we have effective medication that's being pumped out. We're seeing, you know, who knows? That could happen any day now. But um, I think until then, it's going to be at least consolidation, if not more, you know, potential selling. Well, well, although I don't think it's more at this point that see that now we're heading up on it because we we've interviewed some producers we, we interviewed um energy fuels u.s producer your energy u.s uh, producer um not too many other producers lots of people near in development let's say near term you know people like like denison if they can get past their permitting and we talked about last time you know, right. get the thing funded into production. You know, they, they're the nearest term. People like Fission, you know, five years out. You know, people like NextGen, you know, similar sort of numbers here. You know, those, those guys aren't going to benefit from a near-term price spike, are they? Uh, well, not necessarily in their own financials right. uh, from because they're not producing anything. But yeah. the share price... Well, do you think? Do you think that's what people? Do you think that will actually happen? I see. That's that's the question I keep asking myself. How quick will the reaction be for non-producers? Isn't this all going to go the benefit of Cameco, who are going to be able to take advantage? Because if you look at gold, that's what's happening in the gold space, right? The, the gold gold went up August September last year. The producers have been the beneficiaries of that more cash flow, being able to pay down debt, and you know their the, the numbers starting to look. Great. Okay, the fundamentals look much, much better. There's still issues, but they look better, right? Whereas the developers have not seen that, you know, spike in in the equities and the and explorers will forget it, right? Same same problem as ever. So, do you think? How do you think this looks for the uranium space? Who are the companies that you think are going to be the beneficiaries of a price spike? Should the Kazakhs not get back into production. Should should uh, cigar like not what you know suffer from production um, frailties? We'll call them. Well, to answer the first part of the question, I th that's an interesting point. Although I think the situation is different with gold miners, um, only because there's thousands and thousands of them, and there's a handful that are producing, and there, there's so many lifestyle juniors that are far from production. So I think there's, I think a distinction could be made between that and uranium, where there's 55 or 60 uh, publicly traded companies at this point. Um, and I don't know exactly what will happen. I think, for the most part, the stocks that are most in the public eye and trade on the big exchanges. So that would be, uh, you know, Energy Fuels, Your Energy, Cameco, Denison, uh, NextGen potentially. Um, you know, these are the high liquidity stocks, and if the trend really changes and you see big money come in, the high liquidity stocks with the larger market caps are going to see the big funds come in first. Yeah. Um, but the juniors, um, 
are at such dismal market caps right now that even a much, much smaller amount of money coming into those will send them exponentially as well. And From where though? Where, think, where, where's this money coming from? What do you mean money? Funders? Well, I mean, if we see the uranium price start to skyrocket, the money will come from everywhere, in my but, opinion. Okay, but they, they, they may see a small bump in, in, the, in the equity prices, which have been hammered down. They're like, most of them are like 30% down on where they were a month ago, right? Which, which is insane. It, it, it's, it's clearly nuts yeah. to me. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. We've been sitting back and watching, watching this unfold. And I think now's the time that we're actually thinking of getting into a few more companies. Okay. You know, and these, yeah. you know, you, we've named a few names there. I think there are some other quite, you know, there's a couple of African plays, which I think now the price has been crushed. It's perfect because someone will walk in there for sure. Um, I'm just trying to work out how these guys persuade funds today to give them the capex to actually get these things off off the ground without the support of some big balance sheet off to the side here. And I think it's consolidation time, guys. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah. Well, if you're asking today, I don't think they're going to find the money today. Yeah. If you're asking a month or two from now, if the price is rising and you start to see the sector pick yeah. up, then they'll find the money. Um, I mean, you see, like, Goviax did the, you think, did the yeah. private place. They, yeah. they, they nailed half of it at 15 cents, uh, and then they, they canceled the second half of it. Yeah. Share price dropped below 10 cents just within a week or two after they did that placement. Um, no. So I think right now there's a lot of companies that are hurting. They're definitely hurting. They but, needed money months ago. And now their share price has been chopped in half since that. And yeah. they're not find it. So they, they need to cut costs. It's even potential if we don't see this turnaround soon, it could potentially be some takeovers or some bankruptcies. You know, we'll we'll see. Well, I, 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 I agree with some of what you said there. Like, I, I think I'm not sure about price spike anytime soon, even with the, the Kazakhs news. Um, and I, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not quite completely up to date with what's happening at Cigar Lake, but it, it, I kind of agree with the UR Energy um, analysis of this. So, you know, we always have done, you know, we thought our best, it might be the last quarter of this year. Um, coming back, but it just it just therefore feels that this consolidation com- component yeah. is going to play out this year, and I think people are going to, you know, steal some of these companies because there are some very very good companies for sure. Um, yeah. I think that well, we I think we're very clear we're not going to give you know market advice or you know buying advice to anyone, but I think there's some some clear winners in the junior space who. Um, for us, I think we'll make it, we'll get funded, who are nearer than others, and there are others who are just talking a good game. And will all 55 still be around at the end of this year? Hell no. I think we, you know, you know I'm, I'm not suggesting John Borshoff's, um was right, but maybe he was right. <laughs> there may be some deals which uh, will be available to him um, and others. Um, which will seem very, very cheap, you know, in a couple of years' time. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. But it's an interesting time yeah. to be involved. Good points. Um, I mean, yeah, it's no guarantee that the price takes off anytime soon. There just isn't. There never is. But we're, I tell you, we're getting closer and closer. The situation that, um, that people have been 
wanting to play out, which is a slower and steadier price rise is getting less and less likely with each passing month. I think, um, you know, if we, if we pan out more six more months of this, mm. I think that the, the likelihood of a more violent price spike just continues to increase. And, uh, and as far as companies that are, that are hurting right now, you know, there's, there's a handful of juniors, there's very, very few, but there's some that actually do have cash and low rates of burn, you know, that will survive. And I think that any companies that are, that are being conservative right now, um, that are, if you see some insider buying, if you see, uh, some of them cutting costs, you know, that's a very, that's a very positive sign. So for sure, for, that. for sure. Like I, you know, I, I can't help but think of, again, obviously the two U.S. producers and they're, they're, they're right in the, the coal face as it were, use a, a British phrase. Um, involved with the 2-3-2 T petition, et cetera, and obviously energy fuels and, and your energy. Um, I think energy fuels raise of a, whatever it was, six weeks ago, now looks like genius, you know, I think, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. Hindsight, yeah. Hindsight's a wonderful thing. I thought, it, I thought it was pretty smart at the time, but I think it's, you know, by default is seriously smart yeah. now it puts them in a very strong position i think your energy obviously with their contracts you know have come to an end now but they're they're, they're sitting on some on some inventory which gives them some options and they will finish off their the contract which contracts they've got and they're they're through to the end of this year he was he was he was really like that conversation he was really refreshingly honest he said you know we, we can go to yeah. q1 2021 straight with you and then we might need to go to market and, and raise if the market hasn't turned that was that was straight talking um i think there are companies we've talked about some of these in the past like people like global atomic uh where their business model is fascinating they've kind of got this zinc yeah. revenue i mean zinc's taken a bit of a bit of a hit in the last couple of months but Indeed. that's a yeah. smart team you got you know stephen roman there and you know, he's been around the block um but that Turkish zinc project just helps them stand out from the crowd. Um, and there's a couple Great. in Athabasca as well who, you know, I think have got their act together, um, who, who've got a chance because the team's good, the, um, the existing shareholders are, are strong. But, you know, it, 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 it's hard to get past, for, for us, six companies that we would invest in at the moment. Yeah. Just the way things are. It's tough. Yeah. Which brings me nicely onto the subject, Justin, of confirmation bias. <laughs> because we've talked about this. We've talked about this. Where and confirmation bias, where people perhaps haven't heard that phrase before, is where an individual or individuals or groups of people can be given some information and they'll they'll use that information in different ways. So uh, if there was a bit of data and you and I were had opposing investment strategies. We could use that same bit of data to justify our own beliefs in our investment strategies. And that we, we and we see that a lot, right? And you know, we do interviews, we speak to CEOs, we get some data and we get off the interview and we're like, wow, that's that's really insightful, amazing, and that helps and informs our investment decisions. And then we go into social media and see people interpreting it literally 180 degree 80 degree difference in opinion and i'm like wow that's amazing 
How yeah. did that happen? Um, is I mean, again, like I say, we, 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 we talked briefly about this. And is this something that you're cognizant of? And, you know, what what do you do to try and avoid make, making that? It is to be human, you know. We, we, it is a human trait. But do you are you cog, uh, consciously trying to stop yourself being biased in your decision making? Yes. Yes, for sure. <laughs> Great. Yes. Okay. Next. I I know. <laughs> it's hard though. It's hard. It's really I mean, hard. It, it's really hard. It's, it's real when you have your own hard-earned money on the line. You want to feel good about where it's invested. Yeah. You want to. You want to see any information that comes in about that company is positive. And I think it's really important to question every little piece of news about your investments. And I think over the years, I've gotten really good at being pretty cutthroat about about cutting companies out. I'm, I've, I have no problem selling at a loss if the story changes. I just don't. Okay. Um, you know, with, with my newsletter, I have stock picks that I update every quarter and um, that changes every quarter not drastically necessarily my my core picks luckily have been solid and uh i maintain those as kind of my top picks but the deck shuffles a little bit you know like something that i really liked last year has kind of moved down in my priorities and it's like okay i but at one point i saw this as kind of core holding now it's i see it as highly speculative because of what has happened between then and now it doesn't mean i have to hold it you know if i even if if i'm holding something that's at a loss and I don't like to bounce money around a lot, but if I'm holding something that's at a loss and another company is clearly a better investment for multiple reasons, I'm happy to sell this at a loss and put it into that. Well, I think that's smart, but I, I also think it's rare, okay? I, I, I see all too many times, and we, you know, we, we get trolled and we get beaten up for daring to ask questions of, of CEOs, but that's literally our job is to get these CEOs to ask, answer difficult questions. And I, 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 I like asking difficult questions, but I love getting answers to difficult questions even more. Uh, meaning that if there's a problem with the company, that's fine. As long as the company acknowledges it, understands right. it, tells you what it's gonna do about it, who's gonna do it, when, by, how much it's gonna cost. These are all perfectly reasonable things. Mining is tough. I said every single week it is tough. Um, it's it's tougher than most businesses. There's so many moving parts which can go wrong. Right. So I accept that. But so just tell me what you, what you're going to do about it. And that's that's a really cool conversation to have, yeah. right? It can't be right or perfect all of the time. It won't be. I, yeah. I, I, you have to see it, right? Um, so, but what what you do want to be able to do is identify things which can't be fixed, because that makes the investors uh puts the investors money at risk right if, if things can't be fixed it's it's broken it's never going to get into production this team doesn't know how to deal with the problems Th those are important things for us to ask about but i also think there's some onus on the investors to listen out for that interpret that as you're saying go actually i'm not happy with the way the company's going about doing this thing I will choose to vote with my feet. I will move out of this yeah. and into into another deal. But you know, so it's it's down to the investor to take responsibility to manage their hard-earned 
cash that they've been given, that they've earned, they've been given, they've inherited, whatever, because you know that's their money. And and I, I, I again, we just see these, we have these conversations where people are they're proud, you know, they don't want to admit they're wrong to themselves, they don't want to admit they're wrong to their partners or to their peer group, um, and they would rather sit and watch this thing crash to the ground than admit they're wrong. And I, I just find that really quite hard to understand. Yeah. Like you, yeah. I, I, like I'm, I'm happy if I if I've lost twenty percent, and I don't think it's going to improve. I'm happy to take that loss and go make it up somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it, it it doesn't feel right to continue to hold. I mean, I understand. I understand. It's it's hard to turn a paper loss into a real loss. It is, but um, sometimes what I'll do is I'll. I'll I'll just kind of say, okay, these two companies, let's say I was, I'm considering selling one at a loss and put it in the other. What is the potential upside for the two companies? What's my confidence from here? Okay, I have this much money from selling at a loss from here. If I leave it there versus put it here, where does my confidence lie in that, in that amount of capital? So you, you can just look at it not necessarily as selling at a loss, but okay, I have this much money. Should it go to A or B or C? We've learned something, right? You do that, you've yeah. learned something. You probably won't make that mistake again. Well, not knowingly, right? Yeah. That's the... And important to acknowledge also that, you know, that if, is it the macro or is it the company that's causing the, the, the share price action? So Yeah, that's, that's a good point, actually. Sometimes it's not the company's fault. You know, yeah. er, ergo this week. You know, sometimes, but then the, then the call is on the macro, whether it be uranium, as we've been talking about, or coronavirus. Just you know, well, first of all, the reset, which happened before the coronavirus. You know, I think that was long time coming. You got the institutions taking their profit off the table, and it kind of reset us nine months, eight nine months, um, and then quickly followed by the coronavirus. I mean, we've seen another slump after that. It's, it's kind of, I would almost suggest, unprecedented. Um, yeah. As can be shown by the a lack of reaction from a lot of leaders out there yeah. trying to hopefully, you know, muddle their way to some kind of solution at the moment. Um, so you feel, and our kind of half hour is up here, but you feeling optimistic that we're going to get back on track anytime soon? Soon, I don't know. Um, I'm feeling optimistic that we'll all get through this situation. I don't think this is Armageddon. No. I think that it's bad. I think it's going to get worse, not necessarily in the markets, but just with the whole situation. But I know we'll get through it. It's mm. it's definitely been a challenging time for a lot of people. Um, markets, you know, markets aside, it's been challenging. So, but I think you know, human ingenuity and community and it's all, we'll, we'll get through this. And I feel, I still feel 100% confident in the uranium thesis. Absolutely nothing has changed. And like I said, I think the more this drags out like this, the harder it's going to spike. And there's, we're, we're still hearing talks of, uh, of some contracting talks happening. We're hearing whispers about the Chinese continuing to hunt around. It's like, the, it's, it's moving on the back end and it will move. It's just a matter of the short term. I don't know. Yeah. Well, just so very quick before we, before we go. I mean, you, 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 we talked previously about like Iran waivers, RSA, mm -hmm. election yeah. year, all of these things. I mean, the, yeah. these things are, they were influential 
and, and possibly will be again. But right now, obviously, they're taking a back seat. But do, how much how much store do you put on on those elements um, helping drive? Oh, it's huge. Forward? It's huge. Um, I, if anybody hasn't listened to um, the podcast, the most recent podcast that Mike Galkin and Timothy Chaliri did, mm-hmm. I don't remember the name of the of the, the host and the show, mm-hmm. but it was about maybe three or four weeks ago. It's excellent. Um, Timothy did some really great, um, added some really great color on just the the hugely complicated issue of, of long-term contracting mm-hmm. for utilities and all of the things they have to consider. And if you think about that, in the present moment right now. Not only do we have uh, it's a presidential election year, which could shift, at least for the US, could potentially shift you know, overall support for nuclear, potentially. Um, you have the Iran waivers that expire at the end of this month. You have the Russian suspension agreement, which expires at the end of the year, which allows 20% of uranium supply to come from Russia. That is expected to be reinstated or tightened I believe. Um, and th- so there's those three things. There's the working group. Um, and then there's just still questions about individual utilities and their own reactors and whether or not lives would be extended. Um, you know, all of those things have to be considered. So it's, it's hugely complicated. It's not something that, go, oh, we see the, the fuel report from the WNA time to buy. You know, they have to consider all of these things. And us as investors, we see this picture that's so freaking obvious. And we look 20, there's like, there's, there's no market out past 2025. There's none. There's a couple of contracts that are in the high 40s, low 50s. There's nothing. It's, it's unbelievably obvious to see where we're headed for nuclear globally and the supply that's not there to fill it. It's the short term that's frustrating. And that's, I think, continues to be the opportunity, especially now. Anyone showing up to this story in the past month, your timing is incredible. And and we're all envious Thank for you. The us adding and holding. So good for you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I know we, we were hoping to be at the um, WNA in Stockholm at the, um, the 20th to 22nd of April, but I think that's been called off now. Um, but we'll, we'll try and catch up with a few of the utility guys, but you know, in the next couple yeah. of weeks, who we were hoping to see there and uh, maybe tr- see what they've got to say. But Justin, thanks very much for today. As ever, pleasure listening to you and your enthusiasm for the, for the topic. Let's catch up um, very soon, because uh, I think it's uh, in very interesting times at the moment. Yeah, take care of yourself and your family. Hope all is well. You too, and and to you and yours as well. Thanks, Justin. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.